Welcome to Life Point with your host, Pastor Tom Doherty. Welcome to Life Point. I'm Pastor Tom Doherty, and today Max Buchanan will be your host, and he is associate pastor of the Cloverdale Church of God, and I am glad that he's filling in for me for a little bit, and Lord bless you as you listen to Pastor Max Buchanan. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Life Points. We were in John chapter 5 yesterday. We were talking about a man being healed at the pool of Bethsaida. And so the kind of the opening of what we talked about yesterday was this guy was trapped in his own thinking and he wasn't looking at Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was. Jesus asked him this question. He was at this pool that was known for the stirring of water. And when the stirring of water happened, it was believed if you got in that you would be healed of whatever ailment you had. So naturally all these people that were disabled and all that kind of stuff were around this pool. This guy ends up being healed by Jesus. Jesus says, do you want to get well? And he's like, yeah, I can't get in the pool. And then Jesus goes, pick up your mat and walk. And so he literally picks up his mat and walks away. He's healed of the ailment which he had. But the story doesn't end there. It actually gets more complicated. Let's pick up in verse 8. It says, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and the law forbids you from carrying your mat. So now as the conversation shifts, this is really one of those really interesting stories because there's a lot going on. You have this guy that was just healed. You could imagine how excited he would have been. He probably would have been like, who was that guy that healed me? I don't know, but I'm healed. He probably would have had this overwhelming sense of like, wow, this is an amazing thing that happened and something out of the ordinary happened. And who is this guy? And I want to know more about this guy, all this different stuff, all of that going on through his head, 38 years just of not being healed. Now he's healed. And what happens? The Pharisees come in. The Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you from carrying your mat. Automatically, the first thing that happens is they they find him carrying your mat. That's work. That's work. You need to drop it. And this is fascinating because it opens up again this conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees over and over and over again. He said, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Over and over again, they obsess over what is work and what is not work. Jesus says you're losing the intent of what the Sabbath is. It's this idea of stopping. As we know, the the Sabbath comes from really the, the first pages of the Bible. When you read the Genesis story, God is speaking everything into existence. And there's this beautiful poem about these system of days and God creates everything. And then on the seventh day, he rests. And again, God's not a man. He's not tired, but he stops and he rests. He saw that his creation was good and he stops and he rests. And so that is a tradition that the Jewish people held very sacredly. They were to stop and rest on the seventh day. Shabbat Shalom, have a peaceful Sabbath. Have a peaceful stop. Look at God, look at what he's made, see that it is good. Rest in the presence of God. But what they made it into was more of a competition. 
See, a Sabbath in and of itself is a great thing. A Sabbath is still something that I believe we need to take part in, even as New Testament believers. Are we stopping and looking to Christ? Are we finding rest? Every day we should have a Sabbath. A stopping and resting. See, since it was this Jewish tradition that was you know, mandated in the time of Israel, they started making all different kinds of rules and they got lost in the system rather than looking at its purpose. So like this, a man gets healed, amazing act of God happens, God in flesh is among them and they're not obsessed with that. They're actually missing out on that. They're going to have Jesus killed. Instead, they're obsessed with the fact that this guy is carrying his mat. They're lost in the rules. They're obsessing over what they know. They're trapped in their way of thinking and not seeing that this is the Savior. This is God. This is showing that this is the true Son of God, the Messiah. And so they get mad at this guy about not respecting the Sabbath. Really interesting. So back when I lived in Marietta and was attending Bible college, there was actually a really big Jewish population. I never really looked into things that much, but through, you know, some conversations and even remembering back to, I had a youth pastor um, that was very, very into Jewish studies as well. And so uh, he, you know, he knew a lot about it and stuff. And so through these conversations and all this stuff, you realize like it's, it's really interesting the lengths that they will go to, to preserve the Sabbath. And so pressing buttons and the light lighting up or opening the refrigerator and having the light come on, all that's considered work. In fact, a lot of appliances, and I have a friend that works at Home Depot that was in my small group, and she said that this is that she knows about this because she had some Jewish folks come in and buy appliances, and they asked if there's a Sabbath setting. And I kid you not, the Sabbath setting for something like your refrigerator or your oven just basically when it is the Sabbath kicks it on. So it's a certain amount of degrees. So you're not doing any work. You're not pressing any buttons. The oven will just be on or the refrigerator. When you open it, the light won't turn on and they get really into this, like ripping toilet paper is considered work. So they'll pre-rip their toilet paper. If they live in kind of a modern area and they have a garage door, they'll leave it cracked. So if they need to get out of the house, they they can, but they're, you know, not opening the garage door because if there's a cause and effect, then it becomes work. And so they make all these rules about what is work and not and and what's not work. And it actually probably becomes more work because you got to worry about opening the refrigerator. If you open it, light comes on, you're sinning against God because you're not stopping. Like they get so legalistic about this stuff and they miss out on the meaning. That's exactly what's happening here. It's no different. They missed out on this healing that God did because they were saying, okay, this, this tradition is just so important to us. They didn't realize what the tradition was for. And that's what's incredible about, you know, really the New Testament church is when God does give us these different ordinances or things to put into practice, they're not actually traditions. When you look at it, when Jesus gives communion, for example, to his disciples, he says, this is a remembrance 
Our remembrance, friends, is far different than a tradition. We don't just come there and take the elements just because we're supposed to. And we don't have a prayer time for anything during that time. It's not like you come before and you're supposed to be praying for your dog or something like that or your grandma that's sick. And then you take that, you know, a little grape juice. If you're in one of our, you know, in the, the old church of God, we ignore the whole wine part in the Bible. And so it's definitely grape juice. And then you take the, the little wafer cracker or whatever bread it is and stuff like that. And I think often we can miss out on what the point was. A remembrance again, not a tradition. There's something that's supposed to happen when you do this. And that is that you're looking to the fact that Jesus died for your sins. Are you pausing and looking at it? Because that's what's happening. It's for fellowship with God. That's amazing. Baptism, another one. It's not that we just really like baths and we want everybody to get dunked every Sunday. Like that's, that's not the case at all. There's something specific for it. It's a proclamation that you are a believer. You are witnessing that you believe that your sins are washed away by the one true God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what makes you clean. But I think often we can get like the Pharisees and we miss out on what truly these events are for and we just make them these pointless traditions that we go through. The New Testament doesn't have pointless traditions. It has these proclamations. It has these things that are meaningful to our faith. Whenever I teach a baptism class or whenever we're giving communion and I really feel this this pressure to communicate that. That we don't want to be like the Pharisees saying, hey, this is the Sabbath, slow down, drop your mat. Know that we would look at what the event was. This guy was healed. God did something in his life that we wouldn't be trapped in our own thinking when we come before communion that we would see it as the blood and body of Christ, not just a, a free cracker and some you know grape juice. When us or somebody else in our congregation gets baptized, that we would be cheering on that proclamation of faith. That they're realizing they were dead in their sin, now alive in Christ, and that's what it's for. Not just something you do, because you believe it's just going to magically save you from the sins because this water's blessed or something like that. No, it is a proclamation that you know the Lord. Like These are things that we should step back and think about. And make sure that we're not just doing them as traditions, like how these people held the Sabbath, but that we do them in the right context and that we realize why Jesus commanded us to do them. Let's go ahead and pray and then we will continue on tomorrow. Lord, we are grateful, grateful for this chapter in John. Lord, we love you. We're grateful that you are our God. We're grateful that you don't call us to anything pointless, Lord. That in your scripture, you revealed to us these steps of obedience. Lord, let us take that to heart. Look to you and to love you more, Lord. We praise your precious name, Jesus. Amen. LifePoint is a ministry of the Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast, or would like more information about the church, please call us at 208-362-1700 or write to 
Cloverdale Church of God, 3755 South Cloverdale Road, Boise, Idaho, 83709. You may also visit us at our website, www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.